Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need to come to Donahue Accounting Services. A leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online donahueaccountingservice.com. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News. And I'm J.T. Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the Front Office News. All right, fellas, we're back for another episode. Let's jump right into it. The Bearcats are currently 10-2 after defeating Stetson, 83-75. J.T., thoughts on the Bearcats' performance? Uh, Honestly... I wanted him to hold Stetson down more, but I think this was a good um, growing point for the for this team because you had Aziz out, you had Simas out, which we didn't expect, um, but it was something lingering from the situation um, when he got an accident that flared up. And um, Dan Skillings, man, I thought he really played ball, and I mean he played two halves of good basketball, and that's the first time. I would say in the first in the last couple of weeks that he's really shown up. He showed up in a big way. I think this was a big growing point because the game was a grinder pretty much the whole second half and in the first half. So it was one of those games where they it seemed like they could have put the team Stetson away, but they couldn't. And then when Stetson kind of answered, the Bearcats answered themselves. I think this is something like a good data point for this um, team to grow in the future. Was it a lot closer than you thought, JT? Yes, a lot closer. But as Wes Miller said in the press conference, um, Stetson, I mean, they almost beat Georgetown, I want to say, and it was another team that they were um, super close. I think they might have beat somebody, too, that was real good, but I didn't. Not, I don't have their schedule in front of me right now. But it was definitely way closer than I expected, especially being at Fifth Third Arena. You know, I think a lot of times fan, casual fans will see a name like Stetson, Merrimack, or other schools and say, okay, you know, the Cincinnati Bearcats, the more established brand name, is just going to blow them out of the water. But one thing that I do think happens is some of these schools have guys that have been there for a while. And, you know, you have sometimes system guys that have been there for four or five years. And, you know, they're a little bit more established with what, you know, the coach wants run. And and it's not – a lot of times it's not a situation where you got a lot of transfer portal guys – and you're, you know, having to, you know, establish a new culture with these guys. So, you know, some of these games are like you said. I like the positive twist you have it on on it. It's a good test for this Bearcat team at this point. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I really think it was like a very good test. They passed it, and it was one of those ones that they were playing. If they were playing down, like fully down to the competition, they would have lost that game because uh, um, Blackman had 32 points, and that kid was balling. Yeah. Yeah. Balling. He was balling. And um, he was good. Like, I feel like he was a kid that you could plop into some some legit schools and he would do he would average probably 18 to 20 points. Um, I just think he's that good of a player. And the Bearcats answered the call. So I think the fans got to scale back because I know it's it's kind of a lingering thing. It's more so they're not mad that it, like if they're if they are mad, they're not mad. They, they were close to stats and they're mad about the losses. Yeah. Neil, your thoughts? Yeah, as JT mentioned, I thought Dan Skillings had his best performance as a Bearcat. 29 points, 10 rebounds 
on 11 of 14 shooting. So he was just getting to the basket. He was really efficient on the glass and around the basket. I mean, he was getting easy putbacks. I mean, everyone knows what Dan Skillings is capable of in terms of rebounding. And we saw that uh, versus Stetson last week. But what he was able to do on the offensive side was what fans were expecting Dan Skillings to do heading into this season. That was take that next step. And me personally, if you ask me what set the tone for Dan Skillings, I think it was that first defensive stand where he came in the game. He got the huge block late in the shot clock. Forced, that ended up forcing a shot clock violation and really kind of set the tone there. I know Wes Miller has said in the post-game press conference that he wanted Dan to get going on the defensive end first to really spark that energy and allow him to get going. And that was what happened there last week versus Sesson. But that was a game also the Bearcats needed in preparation heading into the Big 12 Conference slate here that kicks off next week because you needed those games where you're going down to the wire in the final four minutes where you're neck and neck with an opponent. And I mean, Sesson's a very good team and not many people kind of realize that. But Jalen Blackman, as JT mentioned, is, was a walking bucket. And I mean, last time somebody gave up 30 points the Bearcats gave up 30 points here. There was only one person to do it last season, and that was Damian Dunn. And even Wes Miller was not happy about it. He was like, we should not let people come in here and get 30 points off. But Jalen Blackman was a guy who who wore down John Newman, and John Newman is the heart and soul of the Bearcats' defense. And Coach Miller even said like, he, he felt like he rode John too much and played him just a little longer than he anticipated, which resulted into him getting tired. But Stetson was doing a lot of great things to get him involved and try to get that spark going. But this was a huge win for them. Obviously, it's not the most prettiest name, the most sexiest name of, hey, this is just a Stetson. That's still a good win. That Stetson team is a very good team. But also, they were doing it shorthanded without Aziz Bandego and Simas Lukosius. And Simas, we didn't even know about until right up until game time that he wasn't going to be able to go. So that's something huge. But if they can get Simas back, and potentially get Aziz back heading into conference play. I think they'll be in good hands, but I was really proud of the performance. I thought Jamil Reynolds played fantastic as well. Finished five of seven, very efficient night for him, but he was one of those guys where he's still finding his footing, but he is starting to take that challenge and it's going to be huge for him down the stretch here, depending on how long Aziz Bandego will be sidelined due to this back injury. So I thought Jamil Reynolds' performance was something that stood out as well. And I really liked the rotation with Victor Locken and Jamil Reynolds. And that was something Coach Miller talked about. And for those who didn't watch the press conference, Victor Locken and Jamil Reynolds actually have not practiced on the same team in practice since late October, Coach said, in his postgame press conference. And I thought that they played terrific together. Obviously, they're two big men who have very good passing abilities and can really space the floor and affect the game in many other levels. So I thought they played really well together. And I think that is a rotation that Bearcats fans could probably get used to heading into big 12 conference play. Wait, so and this is, this is going to be for both you guys. Neil, you brought it up earlier about Dan Skilling's play. Um, JT, I want you to chime in on this. Can, can you guys kind of wrap up? We're seeing inconsistencies, I think with Dan Skilling's, you know, some games we see the performance we saw against Stetson. And then we'll see what, what do you have against Xavier? Two points. Two points. 
Wait, I'll check. Let me get. I believe it was two points. Okay, two points. So we're seeing inconsistencies uh, with with Dan. Where does this come from? JT, let me start with you. And then, Neil, I want you to chime in. Yeah, he had two points. So, again, Savior, um, just just verify it. But it is – it's kind of – okay, I got – it's a two-part way answer answer that I'm going to answer. One, it's kind of like he's talented enough where he can step into the role of of go-to guy on the wing. Um, And at times he's shown he could take the reins. If you watch him play, you see the talent. So it's like, do it, you know what I mean, kind of a thing, mm-hmm. and just live with the ups and downs. But I feel like if he doesn't hit his first couple of shots, then he's either not shooting in rhythm or he's forcing, and then it kind of snowballs for him. And I feel like when he came out against this and he made his first couple of shots, and he was like, oh, it's on, because he even – had a good first half and he had a great second half too. So he stacked two good halves. So I think it's more so um, being young and then him having the talent and then sometimes forcing plays that he shouldn't sometimes. Like he's, he might get himself stuck in a corner, really not give himself an angle that he should give himself or he might, uh, I don't know, just like hold the ball a little bit too long. Something that Wes has talked about. Like, we're going pause and uh <laughs> but I'm glad, I'm glad you threw that in there jc yeah, I, had to. I knew it i thought about that too it almost made me forget my, my thought where i was going with it but <laughs> but yeah where is where is the ball sticking to him and he's not giving it up and then when he does it seems like it's almost a magic thing where he's going to get it back you know what i mean and, it's, and he's going to make it so i think it's just him growing growing pains but I think he has to be – he has the talent to be more consistent than he has been the last couple of weeks. So hopefully this is a good building block. But he did say it was kind of like it's a confidence thing. And I think Wes has kind of, you know, hinted at that as well. So hopefully it's just one of those things where he's like, I don't have to score 20, but I need to make sure um, I got five to eight rebounds. I got eight to 12, eight to 14. You know what I mean? Where he's consistently doing it. He's not doing it where he's like two for 12. You know what I mean? He's four or eight. Or he's, you know, three or seven and getting to the line, stuff like that. So I won't, I'll let my man Neil go ahead and uh, give his thoughts on that. But I just think it's growing pains and just um, talent, understanding, you know, a great, great um, talent comes great responsibility. Uh, that's like the, the Spider Man saying. I tell my, my, my youngest son that all the time. So it's kind of one of those things. So I think yep. that's what it is with, with uh, skillings. Yeah, and I, I'm right there with you, JT. I mean, he even talked about it after the game uh, first steps, and he was basically saying, like, he knew he was going to be in a rhythm once those first few shots fell and that it was a huge confidence booster because, I mean, you look down at the stats. I mean, he had a great, great night versus Northern Kentucky, 8 for 12 shooting on uh, nine rebounds. So 8 of 12 shooting, 25 points, nine rebounds versus Northern Kentucky a very efficient night. That was his previous career high. And then he had a great game versus Howard where he finished with 16 points, six rebounds. And, but since then, I mean, you look down at what Dan Skillings was really uh, doing on the offensive side, FGCU, he shot one for seven. Xavier, he shot one for seven. Bryant, he shot two for eight, finished with 11 points, but seven of those came from the foul line. He really struggled versus Dayton there. 
uh, three for eight. Merrimack, he only shot the ball four times versus Merrimack, but then he came back and he really found his groove versus Sesson. And I think for him, it was he needed to find he needed to see those first few shots fall. And once those first few shots fell, he kind of got in the rhythm. He was like, okay, I got my confidence back. It's been a rough stretch the last month or so, but I'm back now. And I think that's what he needed. I think he just needed a couple shots to fall to boost that confidence back up. Because in his postgame press conference with us, uh, we asked him about it, and he said he needed the first two, but sometimes he was kind of overthinking whether he should shoot that ball or continue to shoot it, uh, even though he was struggling. And he felt like he was kind of losing his confidence a little bit. So to see him have that performance he had versus Stetson was huge. But hopefully he can build off of that uh, that performance for Stetson heading into uh, Evansville, if he can build off that performance and continue to climb a little bit more, I mean, he's now averaging 11 points per game, which is huge. Um, so he's third on the team in scoring. So if they can continue to get Dan Skillings to find his groove, play to his ability, and he just plays the smart, the smart way, doesn't take dumb shots, doesn't force anything, just lets the game come to him naturally, he's going to be a huge impact for the Bearcats this season. And we saw that versus Setson. So overall, I think it was just a confidence booster that really caused those numbers to go up and down. And after he had the hot start versus Northern Kentucky and then turned around and had uh, the other good game versus Howard, since then, I think he just kind of had the one bad night and he just saw his confidence dip a little bit. But now that he's got it back, I think I think the sky's the limit for Dan Skilling's heading into Big 12 conference play. So I'm very excited to see how he responds after a career high versus Stetson. Well, let's hope this confidence keeps going to the night's game as the Bearcats take on Evansville at 7 p.m. at the beautiful Fifth Third Arena. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Let's jump into the Big O segment sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. In this segment, we cover players to watch and key matchups. JT, let's start with you. Who should we look out for from the Bearcats? Cool, man. So after Dan Skillings has had a career high, I am going to keep an eye on him because we don't know. I think CMOS is going to play. Not 100% sure, but we shall see. So with that being said, I feel like Dan Skillings kind of took the bull by his horns and played very aggressive and efficient, real smart. So I want to see him stack up another game. It doesn't have to be a 29.10 rebound game, but I want to see uh 12 to 16 points i want to see six to eight rebounds and just solid solid basketball um being aggressive and not not um like doing taking bad shots even if he misses just taking good shots um being aggressive because i feel like he's one of the guys that will have to be consistent um have to step up on a defensive end um against in the big 12 uh in big 12 play so I want to see him stack up because after this game, you know the Big 12 right around the corner, and we need him to be consistently a double-digit scorer. Or if he's not at double digits, I need him to be at eight to nine and not even like at a not shooting bad. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm at with with uh, who to watch. I want to see Dan Skilling stack up two good games in a row. Love it, Neil. Who do we need to watch out for from Evans- Evansville? Yeah. So for Evansville. You need to watch out for Ben Humrichis, who is the leading scorer for the Purple Aces. He is averaging 16 points, five rebounds on nearly 56% field goal shooting. 
He is the guy that makes the Purple Aces offense go. He is a very, very good shooter. Can really score on all three levels, but once he gets going from behind the arc, he is able to knock those shots down and really disrupt opposing teams' defense. And then you have Yasin Toomey, a big six foot nine forward who is averaging 10 points and seven rebounds. He leads the team in rebounds as well. So he's a big physical presence inside, but not only a physical presence on the offensive side, he's a really great defender as well. So he is the guy that could kind of make that Purple Aces uh, offense going on the in the front court. But Ben Hume Riches and Chuck Bailey are two guards that can really disrupt a lot of opposing team defenses. Chuck Bailey's averaging three point or ten points and three re, and three rebounds per game, and then with Ben Hume Riches as well alongside. with those three guys, they really. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, Neil. What is really, Ben's last name? Hume Riches. <laughs> my man you were giving like great facts too man and as soon as i heard his last name i lost it all up. but yes so here's right, a, right. those three guys make the the purple aces offense go but as jt mentioned the update on cmos leukosius um west miller actually said on his radio show tonight that cmos leukosius for the bearcats has been actually practicing a full go the last few days. But he also mentioned that Aziz Bandego has still not practiced due to his back injury and that C.J. Frederick may have re-aggravated his hamstring injury versus Stetson, which is something we asked him about and we noticed. We did ask him about it, but he didn't have the chance or opportunity to talk to him post-game before talking to the media after the game. So that was something that is something to keep an eye on heading into this matchup versus Evansville. All right, Neil. You we, we kind of started this already. <laughs> I need you to get on Evansville's website. And one of my favorite parts of the podcast. <laughs> the name game with Neil Meyer. All right, Neil. All right, we're just gonna I'm gonna go through the numbers. I don't have the website pulled up, but uh so number 10. Number 10, Yasin Toomey. I love the way you said it. Number 14. Number 14 is Bitesh. Uh, wait a minute, what? Wait, hold on, what? <laughs> Bitesh. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Gitesh? That's the whole name. It's G-U-I-T-E-S-C-H. Gitesh. Okay, that's, I like that one. And number 22? <laughs> number 22 is Sakul Kali. Yeah. Nice. Now, now do me a favor. Scroll down to uh, the coaches and see if you can find the assistant athletic trainer. JT's <laughs> <laughs> laughing already. <laughs> All right. I got this. Ung Chin Duke Wu. <laughs> 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 Yo, that's wild. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. Hung Chin Duke Wu. <laughs> Duke Wu is wild. Oh, man. This is terrible. We should be. <laughs> man, he's probably a good person. Hey, 
Ooh, man, it's all it's all for the name. It's all for the fun and games, man. So all for the fun, all the fun and games, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Sponsored by Stetson Cologne. All right, the big <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> the big O segment is sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. <clears throat> okay, so for me, quickly, um, I'm rolling with Day Day on this right. one. Um, players to watch. Um, I, I think this is a game I think he could really um, use his strengths of getting downhill, athleticism. Um, I, I think this is a game where he can really excel very well. Uh, I like the way he's playing right now. I've, I've said this before on the past podcast. He's better than what I thought he was going to be. Um, I, I knew Wes had told me he's the right guy. Um, I thought it was going to take him a little bit longer to get to this point. Um, still interested to see what he does when Big 12 play starts up. But from all indications, um, the bigger the game, he seems to want to step up. And like JT has talked about before, when people talk trash to him, he gets going. He starts talking trash back and he plays a little bit better. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, is BYU, I, I, I don't know if they talk a lot of trash. Are they Mormons? Are they Mormons? Are they, are they, I mean, yeah, with, the, with the portal, I don't know if it's the same. Okay, they, have, they can't even really get down at and BYU, can they? I don't think so. That's crazy. I would. <laughs> I don't think so. I'll be my last choice. <laughs> I'll be D two. <laughs> I'll go D two, coach. Yeah. <laughs> you are going to BYU. Sorry, BYU. Uh, Norfolk State. I'm going to Norfolk State. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I I think this is a I think this is going to be a game that he can, um really excel in i'm really happy with the play of day day so far and i i love to see him continue I, what did he have last game neil you're the stat guy what do you have 17 something like that last game I don't 17 know. on 6 of 12 shooting so if he continues that leading in the byu that puts us i think in a um in a good position so um that's all i got man i'm, I'm rolling with day day in this one i think day day is gonna gonna have a big game so the Big O segment is sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. Do you have a business that needs better inventory control, production management, or improved accounting control, outgrown QuickBooks, or can't afford NetSuite? Give loyal Bearcat grads Doug and Kathy Jacobs at Smart Dog Solutions a call. They have been in your position and would love to help solve your problems. You can contact them at 513-739-9473 or online smartdog-solutions.com. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. This is where we cover the keys to the game. JT, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Uh, No, I'm just playing. Um, All jokes jokes aside, I want to see them um, stack up because, like, they took care of the ball very well against Destin. I want to see that again. Because teams are throwing zones against them. And I thought they another thing about it we left out. I feel like they played against they scored against the zone a lot better against Destin than they have been um last couple times they've seen it. So I like that as well. But uh um, protect the ball. I want to see under 12 turnovers. I want to sound like a broken record on that. I want them to dominate the glass and just uh, you know, I think the more comfortable like a lot of these pieces are playing together, I think the better. And what sucks is it seems like they're kind of getting hit with some like tic tac injuries right now. So yep. it's like as soon as you kind of see something, 
somebody's kind of missing. So we kind of the, the positive is going to give more people more confidence if they excel in their roles. But I think they just uh, I want to see rebounding well at a high high clip, and I want to see them protect the ball. Neil, what do the Bearcats need to do to win big? Yeah, I think they just have to, as JT mentioned, limit the turnovers. If they can limit the turnovers, I think they will be in good hands. But this is an Evansville team that a lot of people are counting might be an easy win. But this is an Evansville team that is a very tough team that really loves to score the ball. So I think for the Bearcats to win big, they have to keep their turnovers under 12, as JT mentioned. But they have to force about 17 to 18 turnovers, and then they just have to play their game. They can't have those cold shooting streaks or those gaps where they go three, four minutes without a field goal. Um, That was something that happened quite frequently versus Stetson. I mean, they had the opportunity to open the floodgates versus Stetson, but they just couldn't find that one or two shots to really get that floodgate to open, and then it allowed Stetson to crawl back in. So for them to win big, They have to get off to a hot start. They have to limit the turnovers, be active on the defensive end, and just come out and play their game, play smart and efficient. And I think if they can play smart and efficient versus Evansville, and I think it really kind of starts there in the front court, if they can get the bigs going in the front court just a little bit, whether that's Victor Lockin or Jamil Reynolds or Odio Guamo or whoever it may be down there in the front court, if they can get those big guys going early, I think it will allow the Bearcats to space the floor and get guys like Day Day Thomas going, Dan Skillens going, Jizzle James even could get in there and add a couple quick points. So I think for that to happen, the Bearcats have to play smart. For them to win big, they open it up, start dominating on the front court early down inside to really open things up for the guard play to allow them to get downhill, pick up the tempo, and attack. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hood at Beachmont Toyota. Hey, do you guys remember back in the day when Evansville used to rock the sleeve jerseys? No. Oh, you guys don't remember this? Oh, Um, man, the sleeve jerseys, like the Adidas style? Yes, they were – I want to say they were the original team to do it. I could be totally wrong on that, and I'm sure someone will correct me on Twitter. But (laughs) um, (laughs) back when I was growing up, Evansville had the sleeves on their jersey – um, and I just remember, like, you normally wouldn't talk about Evansville, but you had to talk about them because of their jerseys. It was like it almost made them, you know, I wouldn't say, like, super popular, but you'd want to watch them a little bit. It's like these guys out here hooping with, you know, sleeves on. And obviously, later, Adidas did those. Uh, I don't know your guys. Neil might have liked them, the jerseys with the sleeves. I think they did them for UC, UCLA. It was like a whole group of yeah. It was five. I want to say it was like Kansas, UC, UCLA, Louisville. Louisville Definitely in that list. It was four or five. I know those are definitely they were in it. Did you guys like those? Everyone hates on me for liking the Adidas uniforms, but I I liked them. I liked them. In the in the worst above a dub, trash. Well, listen, Neil. If you if you liked them, hey, every, everyone's got their different styles. What did you like about them? 
See, the Adidas uniforms were overall popping because that was the uniform that they had the majority of my childhood. So, like, when I was in middle school or whatnot, <laughs> growing up, they had the Adidas uniforms. I wasn't around to witness the Jordan era until now. So, the Adidas uniforms, I mean, being a kid, you're like, yeah, I like those jerseys. You'd go to school, you'd see all those people rocking the highlighter jerseys with the stripes. But now looking back on them, like, they're, I liked UC's design personally, but some of the other schools' designs were not were just not it. Was yeah, not I, it. I respect you liking them though. Like and you're sticking with it. Don't don't let don't let our opinions no. change your opinion. I respect that. Stick to your guns on that. But I, I think that they were they were straight uh throw them in the garbage, <laughs> light them on fire, flame on. <laughs> hey, you AJT, did you notice how gangster Neil turned when he started talking about those jerseys? Yeah, he, he turned real gangster. He's like, man, I like those. Jerseys. I like those. I like I how like he stood on it. I respect how he stood on. He, he like those jerseys. Fitness on those. Boy. Yeah, he was. He had two feet up. He had two feet on business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had feet on necks and there, neck, necks and back right there. <laughs> hey, if you like them, you like them. Uh, so quickly, I'll just jump into uh, my thoughts on this game for uh, for tonight. Evansville ten and two. Um, I think this is just another team that comes in. It's going to be. A team that you know everyone thinks the Bearcats going to roll over, but I, I really would love to see the Bearcats put together two halves, um, come out strong. Uh, I think if the Bearcats can be forty-five plus on the boards, keep them under thirty-five, I will be happy with that. Um, I love to see us get a good first half lead. I don't think first Stetson, and again, I do not have the stats in front of me, but I. I think for Stetson, we were only up three points. We were in like the 30s, uh, something like that. Neil, can yeah, 30 27 at halftime. Okay. So, yeah. all right. So, um, like to see us have a bigger lead, um, maybe score a little bit higher than that, um, and just put together a, a full game. And, and like I've said, we, we are on that pursuit to prepare for Big 12 play, and that's it's here, it's right at the doorsteps now. And, you know, this game is just one step to get us closer to that. We have a common opponent, um, Evansville and UC and, and, and BYU. So Evansville played BYU. I think BYU smacked them like. Yeah, 40-piece them. 40-piece them. So mm -hmm. now, does that mean we're going to 40-piece Evansville? Nah, who knows? And, and listen, I, I still have – I've said this before, and I don't mean to keep, you know, pounding this like – every podcast but we've yet to have two back-to-back -back games with the same full roster for this bearcat team i mean it's just like it's almost i get a text from you guys almost every game like so-and-so's out so-and-so's out and it's like oh man yeah you know and it's just like God, just give me two games with a full roster and see what this team's capable well we know what they're capable of but we want to see it with our with our own eyes on the court. You know what I'm saying? True, 100. Yep. percent Because then it's hard for the rotations too. Like, yeah. You know, as soon as you like, okay, like Jamil, which he played great last game, but like, you know, because Aziz isn't playing, like now he has to kind of speed up the process. But I think he looked way sharper last game, which is a great, great sight. Neil talked about that earlier. Um, but at the same time, it's like, all right, you see him getting his flow together, him and Vic are getting there, like 
you know, okay, I can do this when he's on the court. I can do that when he's on the court. But then, like, they really haven't got it. Well, Fix got a little bit of chance, time to play with his knees, but, you know, Jamil hasn't. I only played that one game, and I don't think they had um, um, parallel minutes, I don't think, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like they might have been the rotation – um when you know Aziz is out Jamil was in kind of a thing so mm-hmm. uh and if it was it was very short it wasn't more than three minutes if they played together so it's something that we haven't seen and it's like you know just think about how good Dan played CMOS wasn't there so you know and CMOS I thought was starting to get his legs together starting to take that process yeah. of being like hey I'm the go-to guy or I'm the guy that or if stuff's breaking down I'm gonna hunt this shot I'm gonna get us in a good play and I feel like Dan took over, yep, you know, last game. But I want to see those two work, you know, in cohesion together because maybe Dan has 12 and then CMOS has 17 or it's vice versa. But um, it, without them being on the court together, it, it's going to it's slow in the process, per se. How about that? Well, what, what yes. is was finding his groove before the car incident as well, which, I mean, you look back at the performance he had versus Howard really was looking to build off of that. And then he turns his ankle at the end of the Howard game, the car situation, he comes back, he has two great performances back to back. And then bing, another minor injury comes and you find out it stems from the car wreck. And so he's held out and starting to, now he has to refine his groove. And I mean, it's hard to find your groove this late in the season, especially when it's so your hot start, you get banged up, you're forced to miss a game so on and so on. Like he's just had the worst string of luck. It seems because when he's gotten going, he's been a huge bright spot for Wes Miller and the Bearcats, but he just hasn't been able to put it all together. Cause he keeps getting these unfortunate minor nagging injuries that come at the worst time possible. And we have seen that over the last few weeks, but if we can get CMOS back healthy, I think he would be a key substantial piece to this Bearcats team. But as JT mentioned, Meech, that, Victor Locken and Jamil Reynolds, they didn't play the same minutes versus Dayton. They paralleled each other. So when Vic was out and Aziz was out, Jamil was in. So it was kind of hard to find that cohesion there early versus Dayton. And then they quickly had to turn a turn a new page of the book and kind of force those guys into the the same rotation after Aziz goes down with the back injury. So overall, I mean, you talk about that, that's a huge a huge piece that's still trying to they're still trying to figure some things out there but if they can build off of that and get a performance like they did versus Stetson I think they'll be in great hands depending how long this back injury uh, back injury lingers for Aziz Mandego so what, what do you think all this means for Odie Aguama I'm thinking about Odie in terms of like a lot of these guys when they do get back we see what they can do you got an Aziz Jamil Dan play what does this mean for Odie yeah, um, I wrote about that. I, like when soon as Jamil got eligible, um, which everybody's happy about for sure. I the odd man out is Odie. Now Odie will still play some. It won't, I don't think it'll be super drastic. You know, kind of how like when Aziz came back, you kind of saw Josh Reeves minutes kind of just dwindle down. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's starting to pop up in, here and there a little bit more too. But I think he's the one kind of like foul trouble is going to have to happen or it's going to be spot minutes. You got to go balls to the wall while you're in there, but you might only play three to five minutes. 
You know what I yeah. mean? In, in, in certain games, it might be a bruising game where he's going to play a little bit more. But if it's more finesse, it's probably not going to. I mean, because the other bigs bring different uh, skill sets than Odie. Odie is a grinder. But, you know, you just see the talent of Jamil Reynolds and his passing. I didn't know he could pass that good. Mm-hmm. And against Stetson, he was making, you know, he was catching on the block and he was whipping it across the court, like making, you know, crazy passes, like real skilled big man passes. I was like, oh, I didn't know he had that in his bag. So that, I mean, just can't keep him off the court. You know what I mean? At the same time, Aziz, when he comes back, I mean, his the way he just um, rim runs, is amazing. I mean, every game, I mean, last couple of games he was, he played, he was double doubling it up. So, and he wasn't, I don't even think he was playing great and he was double doubling it up. So he just has a skill set that is, you know, unique and, you know, it fits to what they got to go, what they got to do. But Odie just has to be ready because you never know. You see injuries, you see Aziz is banged up a little bit. So now he's playing a little bit more, but um, he, he's the one that when when they're at full strength and all the big guys are there, he's the one that's going to have to take um, have to be a good teammate and be and stay ready. Yeah. And piggybacking off of what JT said, looking down at the last three games for Odio Guama. I mean, you look down, you see the Dayton uh, stat lines. Odio Guama only played seven minutes versus Dayton, but that was a back and forth battle. That was Jamil's first game eligible to play. But Aziz gets banged up with that back injury early, but then finishes the game. But Odie only had seven minutes versus Dayton, where he finished with one of two shooting for just two points, and he only had two rebounds. But then he saw substantial minutes versus Merrimack, 22 minutes. Stetson, he only played 11 minutes. So, But for people who were wondering what would happen if Jamil and Aziz both got eligible, which we now know now that they're both eligible, but we wondered who would be the odd man out, but everybody who has watched this program for over the last few years, they know what kind of player they're getting from Odie Aguama. And every, and I think all three of us can say Odie is the energy guy. He doesn't have to have this 20 and 10 kind of night as a big man, because everybody knows his energy is what makes him go as a player. I mean, we saw, I believe it was last season, right, JT? Last season was when he compared himself to the Energizer Bunny, right? Yeah, 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 last season. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, we saw that, and he said, I'm like a battery, I keep going. And then I believe it was the season before then, uh, the 2021-22 season, I think it was him and David DeJulius, if I remember right, in a post-game presser was like, hey, man, we don't we don't take the elevator around here as we take the stairs because we like to build on the success one, one step at a time. So, that was kind of something for people who don't know about Odio Guama's character a little bit. That's the kind of guy you're getting. Like he's going to be a guy who will affect the team, energy, courageous, whatever he's got to do to help his team. He's going to be a guy that is going to step in and take on that new role. But I definitely think now with Jamil starting to find his footing, I definitely think Odie, unfortunately, will be the guy that sees his minutes decrease some. But I definitely think, especially with how long, no one really knows the timetable on this Aziz Mandego's back injury yet. So that's still to be determined because Wes Miller gave us an update uh, earlier last week before the holidays and was like, yeah, he, he got jacked up pretty good. Said there was no structural damage, but it was a lot of sore, hurt to get up, sit down, stand up kind of thing. So, and with back injuries, it's tough. 
especially as a big man in college basketball. You're taking a lot of contact. You're giving a lot of contact down there in the front court. So overall, Odio Guama is going to be a huge piece to this team as the season moves forward. But unfortunately, like we talk about, I do see his minutes being slightly decreased because of Jamil Reynolds here as the season goes forward. Well, and I think one of the keys for Odie is he needs to always stay ready because you never know when you're going to need Odie. <clears throat> there could be an away game. You know, you're playing in the trenches and you need a guy like Odie who's going to go out there and, and do the dirty work, get out there, be the energizer guy, and you're going to need that. So we need a guy like Odie. We don't expect Odie's going to play 30 minutes a game, right? Yeah. But I, I, I do think his services are, are definitely – Needed. The Kenyan segment keys to the game was sponsored by Greg Hood and Beachmont Toyota. Come see fellow Bearcat Greg Hood and Beachmont Toyota for all your Toyota needs, cars, trucks, and SUVs. Greg Hood and Beachmont Toyota is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. This is where we cover hot topics. And, uh, fellas, listen, we have not had a chance to uh, really discuss what the hot topic was going to be for tonight. So I'm throwing something at you here. Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year, right? New Year's uh, Eve's coming up. I know JT's got big plans. I know Neil's got big plans uh, for, for next year. Um, but I'm thinking about 2023, kind of a year in review with the Bearcats, what is that one moment in Bearcat sports or Bearcat athletics that sticks out to you in 2023? JT. In 2023. Sheesh. Sheesh. That's crazy. All right. One. I'll say uh, David and Julius's last home game. Um. I feel like Neil might might counter counter me on that as well, um, because I feel like man, dude, just like embodies like what a Bearcat is to me. Yeah, he does. Like, just cool dude, like just a young man that I just like. You just want to see him succeed because he's just like a real good human being, and he's a good basketball player too. So it just makes it even better. But nice young man, um, just love seeing him succeed. I hope he's over there overseas killing it. But um. Man, just to see, like, you just could tell it just meant so much to him. And he was balling. He was balling. So it was just great to see see the fans show him that love. Because, you know, you know, us as people that watch sports or just in general people that play, we've been spoiled so long. And then COVID comes and kind of everybody's got to reconfigure their everyday life. Now stuff is starting to get back normal. But when people were bashing these young men for – situations because they would you know go out or come back in and all yeah. that stuff like the world was just it was a lot going on like you know it just was a lot going on and um i think that's helped people um tap into their mental health a lot more which and when people are more understanding which is good and it's just to see him you know he he, opt, he was one of the people that opted out and he came back and then he stayed and i just feel like he got his just due and it just gave me chills the way he was just like he was balling like he just he went went for it, had his one last hurrah, and I just think that was just like one of those one things. Like, man, it's, if anybody deserves it, it's that it was David to Julius, and to be able to see that, I was just like kind of just happy. Not even just taking it back, even not even being the person that covers the team, just being like a human being, being able to see that live was just like I was like, man, that that was dope. 
So that was my favorite moment of 2023. And, and, and JT, before we get out of that, uh, I, I totally agree with you on David DeJulius embodying like the Bearcat way and being a Bearcat through and through. Yeah. For you, JT, why, why do you say that? I know why I think that about him. But for you, why do you say that about DeJulius? What are the ingredients that he brings to the table? So for me, it's like a guy that's just like he going to take the challenge. Don't He doesn't cheat the game no matter what. Like even if he has a bad game, it's not because he's cheating the game. And he's a person that's just like respectful, humble, but he's put he puts in the work. You could tell about it, his game. He puts in the work. Um He's quiet, but he's like a person that if you push and we've seen that he's not he's not going for nothing either. So you're not going to punk him either. So when I look, think of Bearcat players, especially at the garbage, and I think of people that aren't pushovers and the people that run the team, they can get their own and just leaders and not. They just seem like they're leaders. Now, everybody might not be leaders. Who, you know, who knows? Because, you know, back then I was more of a fan, not a person that knew the inner. I mean, I knew a lot of the players, too, just because. It's my personality and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's a different thing. But I just think is the way he carries himself, he's not scared. Like he's a type of dude that you could take. He probably could talk to anybody on the court. He could talk to anybody in any area, but he could play in any court too. So like if you take him to to the projects and we got to play, I'll take David Julius on my team because he's not going to back down. You know what I'm saying? But if you're playing in the sticks – I'll take the David Julius too. So, you know what I'm saying? So um, he's just one of those guys, man. I just feel like he he just is everything a Bearcat supposed to be. Like, um, you know, he was ingrained in the community. And that's a plus on top of it. But I just think on the court, he's like what I, what people come to expect for a Bearcat, honestly. Yep. I, I totally agree. Neil? Yeah. So I got, I got two, two that come to mind right off the rip. And obviously, JT, you, we just talk about David DeJulius, but the 30-point performance in his final game, you get the walk-off, you get to kiss the sea paw, see in a full full fifth-third arena, you yep. get to see what it actually meant for David DeJulius in everything he has been through through his career. And to see him end it that way in his final home game was just incredible because for those who weren't at that game or didn't get to watch it, just seeing him – kiss the sea paw, come out with his hands up high, fist pumping, big smile, just taking it all in. I know he was slow to walk off the court. He kind of looked around the arena. He just took everything in, and he deep down knew what Cincinnati has meant to him and everything he has been through throughout his career. But also, as JT mentioned, this was a guy where if you saw him out off the basketball court, on campus, in the community or whatnot, this was a guy who was saying hi to everybody. Very personable, getting involved in his community. I know he did a lot of different events where he was getting involved in the community. I believe uh, I actually saw him one game before the season. Uh, Meech, I'm not sure if you know who they are exactly, but the people who hold the who build the uh, the three point plaques up in the upper deck before the game, like the three point counters. I don't I don't know who that is. Yeah. So. The, I'm trying, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh, he brought his two little girls to a game, uh, one game last season, and they were kind of standing down at the lower end of the student section just watching warm-ups. And they shouted to David, and David came over. It was right before the holidays. David took about 10 minutes just to go over there and just kind of talk with the two young, the two young kids, 
the father, the family took pictures, chatted with both of them. And that just shows how engraved he was with the fans, the community, the program. And that is the kind of players you need. We talk about the definition of a Bearcat. That is what David DeJulius was. I mean, we've had him on plenty of shows. We built a great relationship with him. And he has been one of those guys who has always checked in on us, made sure we were doing well, was able to really kind of, hey, how are you guys doing? Bigger than basketball kind of thing. He was wanting to make sure we were doing all right as people too, which is huge. So overall, what David DeJulius did, that just to end his career in that game, that final game, that was a sight that you will not forget seeing what that crowd was like at Fifth Third Arena that day where David DeJulius put up 30 points, kissed the Seapaw. That was just the picture storybook ending of how you wanted to finish your college finish your college career. And it was a great sight to see that. And it couldn't have happened to anybody better than David DeJulius as well. But another game, that, another moment that sticks into my head when you talk about biggest moments of this past season for the University of Cincinnati, let's talk about the first Big 12 football game, Oklahoma. You get Big 12 or Big Noon kickoff. I think they had close to 60,000 people, I would have to imagine, on campus because you had Big Noon kickoff. You had people tailgating. You had a sold-out Nippert Stadium. And I think that was probably one of the best crowds that we have seen at Nippert Stadium in recent years. And I think JT could attest to that as well. But that was, that was another sight to see because you waited so long for that opportunity to come. And then when it did come, you had full support from the Bearcat community, the fans, everyone surrounding the program. And it was just a huge milestone within the community as well, because now you've officially taken that step from going from G5 to P5. And look what happened now. I mean, since that moment has been taken, look at all the substantial new heights that the program has taken, the university has taken. So I think that is a moment you have to really consider when talking about the 2023 Cincinnati sports moments over this past season. Yeah. So uh, all that stuff you guys said was great stuff. Um, I, I'm going to take something. I, I want to go a different route than what you guys did. And I want to take something that uh, obviously means a lot to me. And that is when the Bearcats announced um, going back to uh, Jordan and Nike. <clears throat> Um, that was the big moment for me in 2023. I think it happened around May, right? Middle of May, it, it leaked out, or there were so many different. Man, there were so Bar many. Barstool decided to take credit for something that they had no knowledge for. That that yeah. that's a whole nother. I could go on about how they could, they ruffled a lot of feathers with that, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, Man, that was terrible. Well, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> If that middle of May, I think I think it was like a, a press release, I believe, officially went out. And then I think July, right, was when you started seeing like the players and everybody like football and people yeah. walking around with stuff on so, something like that. I forget the timetable, but I'm kind of I'm kind of bad at that. But that that to me, that to me really because the, the Big 12 was really cool. Right. It's like, OK. We're back in a major conference and, you know, we don't have to worry about going at ECU. And like you say, JT, there's 30 people at the game. Man. Five of them are janitors. and Exactly. It's people that give me the tickets. 
And then you got to think about the staff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then you, so you got five fans there. <laughs> so to get to get in that legitimate conference, um, I thought that was just big. But then, but then going back and, and bringing back the whole Nike and Jordan uh, piece really kind of brought everything together for me. So, so it's twofold. It's one, of course, I'm a big Jordan guy. I love Nike. Like that coming back was important, but I thought even more so it was important to kind of wrap everything together. Like this program is headed in such a positive direction. Cause I'll tell you, man, that the amount of people that were texting me and reaching out to me from around the country um, when the Jordan Nike deal came back, they didn't reach out to me, you know, like I would heard from some of these people, like the Big 12 thing may have not moved the needle for them. Yeah. But the Jordan thing was like a big, I like people like in LA, they're my buddy, like, yo, you guys are back to Jordan? What? <laughs> I believe like, it. I haven't heard from you in like four months. <laughs> so it was like, it, it just, it hit all over the country. And I thought that was huge, right? That, that had a huge impact. I think I think it just wrapped everything up in a nice, a nice big bow in terms of where this uh, program is headed. And like I've said before, I love the leadership of John Cunningham. Um, love the leadership of Wes Miller. And they were in great hands. Um, and, and listen, I'm going to be a guy that gives Coach Satterfield a chance. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you've got to give him a chance to get his guys in, build his culture. Yeah. And if he doesn't get it done, it's time to find the next person. But I'm going to give him a chance until then. So that Jordan brand was my uh, my moment in 2023. Now, hopefully – in 2024, we've got some more huge moments athletically, uh, basketball team, maybe make a big run in NCAA tournament. You don't know. Maybe Satterfield turns the football program around. Yeah. Big wins. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, do you guys have, by the way, do you guys have big plans for, uh, for, uh, for New Year's? I don't know, man. I don't uh not not for real i gotta figure it out if i am but right now yeah. no nope. you got too, you got too many kids jt to have big plans <laughs> yeah i'll be out kicking it watching some football with some friends and then maybe go out a little bit after but i'll be watching football somewhere for the most part neil don't disappear <laughs> Man, we can't have the neil meyer search party going on have you seen neil meyer because i i i for damn sure not gonna try to pronounce these names of these players so we can't have you leave i'm Yaku, i won't disappear i promise yakamoshi woo i can't do all that stuff yeah, i can't sure. I, I can't i can't do all that right jt no i'll be sounding like shannon sharp <laughs> skill 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 knowledge <laughs> When we say what again? <laughs> oh, the Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Hey, and by the way, we um, a couple things I want to say before we before we get out of this podcast. Uh, the the Chad Dollar um, uh, interview we did that episode went very well. We've got to get our first player interview on here, so let's make plans for that and let's get that popping here. Uh, very soon, fellas, so we can give uh, these Bearcat fans more good content. You guys cool with that? For yes, sure. sir. The Twyman segment was sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Visionary Cleaners is a locally owned company 
by former Bearcat student athletes. They specialize in high quality commercial cleaning of business, apartment pre and post construction cleans. They can be reached at 513-388-7816 or contact online visionarycleaners.com. Now, fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Donahue Accounting Services, Smart Dog Solutions, Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota, and Visionary Cleaners. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Mio's Pizzeria 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat game days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Mio's for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Now, we will be live from Mio's on January 31st from 545 to 645 p.m. before the West Virginia Way game. We'll be doing our podcast live from Mio's. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services, a leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, our top-notch accountant strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online donahueaccountingservice.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Go Bearcats!